Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host. Today's Father's Day, and so I thought we'd use a text from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, which says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is a great text, realizing that children are really, really important, and they need to obey their parents, but also the parents, and particularly fathers who are head of the house, need to make sure that their, their children's physical as well as spiritual needs are taken care of. And part of that duty is to make sure that our children know the Bible stories and have received Christ their Savior, but also our children need to be ministered to not only physically, but also psychologically, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. And the book that we are offering today, I think, will be a great blessing in helping fathers to be able to accomplish that in their families. Continue this week's episode of the Global Times with Pastor Doug Wilson and his wife Linda with their report on the outreach in India. Well, we see the genius of God at work in the body of Christ because God does meet needs according to the culture and the region, according to history, and according to uh, the geography. 
what is normal for them is not what is normal for other places. Uh, God has called them unto himself and made them part of the family of faith, and he meets their needs uh, according to his riches and glory, but according to the appropriate culture and lifestyle of the region. We see this happening. Uh, we know that many have uh, suffered greatly, and a lot, frankly, of our missionaries uh, have the need to uh, raise sums of money every month to get tuition for their children to have proper schooling that would not be infiltrated with the uh, the deceit and the lies that is found in the public system. Uh, so they eat a lot of very basic foods. They have very basic shelter for their housing. Uh, they live very humbly and, uh, and it would be considered a poverty level uh, here in North America. Mm -hmm. But for many of them, that is normal. In the world's largest uh, democracy, uh, that is uh, a contrast between the haves and the have-nots. It's quite clear there that there are people that are benefiting from some of the economic upturn, some of the modernization, and even some of the things that are being done by the militant Hindus are actually benefiting those in the country uh, financially. Uh, the problem is that we many times take a North American approach to an Indian church. And we have to keep in mind that God has a distinctive culture called the indigenous church. <laughs> and that's what needs to be promoted. Uh, we cannot be exporting North American Christianity uh, into India or any of our other countries. We have many opportunities to see how that is not the best way forward. And uh, they deal with things and sharing and community among themselves, families, uh, church families that help one another. Uh, during COVID, there was a lot of sharing of resources to try to get people medical treatment. Uh, many died. Uh, many of our churches experienced uh, tragic losses of our pastors. And had it not been for our Timothy program, many of them would have had ones with no training whatsoever among their lay people. And so we thank God for that, that these things that they deal with uh, economically, uh, socially, uh, financially, uh, as far as material resources and so forth, uh, they uh, many times find ways of, of uh, meeting needs outside of actual use of money. They'll barter, for instance, to find a, a way of getting things taken care of, either repairs being done or building materials or food or shelter or transportation. They will trade with others uh, on a barter system in order to meet those needs. In the Christian community, that makes a big difference in how you are able to barter and have an exchange among people that can do certain things that you can help them and they can help you outside of the use of, of cash. Interesting. I was thinking that it could almost be a foreshadowing of something we could see uh, in other parts of the world. Oh, that's for sure. Um, and the same was true in Nagpur, in the central part of uh, India, where we were able to have large gatherings uh, and uh, a lot of training being done among our nationals there. There's a three-generation ministry there uh, 
in central uh, India. Uh, large uh, uh, training being done at the seminary level as well as among youth and children and then also in the local churches going and, and preaching and teaching and ministering there. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now there is uh, there are meetings going on uh, having to do with having a large scale meeting, as many as 1300 uh, Indian nationals that are asking uh, if I would be willing to teach them for about three or four days on putting Christ at the center of their local churches once again. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we would not be on the air without your help, prayers, and support. We are coming into the summer months, and that's a time when people like to be outside. They like to be more active than through the winter months, and they go on vacations. And fortunately, through the summer months, we have a dip in our income. And so we would ask you to pray that God would help us through these summer months, as it's always difficult to fund ministries through this time. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet. It was written by Dr. Fred Hartman, one of the speakers on our broadcast. It's entitled Lifestyles on Earth When Jesus Returns. And what he does in this booklet is to explain the scriptures that talk about the end times and the, and how life will be on earth when Jesus does return. And then he compares it to today's events, their political events, their historical events that are happening today. And it's a wonderful booklet and it's very encouraging and when after you read it, you realize that we are in the last days and the Lord could return soon. And I, so I would pray that you would write in and ask for your copy of Lifestyles on Earth. When Jesus returns, you will not be disappointed. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look for in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strange. Thank you.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled, Moses, a Great Man of God. I know that you will enjoy this message from God's Word. Printed copies are available upon request. Today I would like to bring special greetings to every father, grandfather, and great-grandfather on this special Father's Day. May you be blessed and encouraged not only by your family, but by God's presence and especially His Word. The topic I've selected for today is Moses, a great man of God. Israel had many great and outstanding men of God down through history. Hebrews chapter 11 gives the names of some of them, and I finally selected Moses as the one for our study today. I should say first of all that if there ever was a day when the church and the world needed great men of God, and great women of God for that matter, it is today. Godliness and morality are fast being eclipsed, and the world is plunging towards an abyss of God's judgment. We need many great men of God who will stand in the gap and bring deliverance as they did in ages past. I turn to Exodus chapter 2 for the story of Moses. Israel at that time was in hard bondage in Egypt. The Pharaoh had just decreed that all male children be cast to their death in the river Nile. Then we read in Exodus chapter 2 verse 1, There went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it up, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him, and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. So the story of Moses begins. Moses grew up in Egypt. He tried to deliver Israel, but failed, and had to go into exile for forty years. Then God appeared to him at the burning bush, and commissioned him to go back to Egypt and lead the Israelites to freedom and to nationhood. Pharaoh refused to obey the God of Moses, and ten great plagues from God wrought destruction in Egypt. The last plague was of the death of the firstborn in Egypt, from Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the maidservant that is behind the mill, died as well as that of beast, Exodus says. Pharaoh was humbled and commanded Moses and Israel to depart from Egypt. 
Moses led Israel to Mount Sinai, where God gave them just and moral laws that were be, to be the foundation for all mankind. Israel rebelled time and again in the wilderness, but Moses patiently led them as a flock towards the promised land. Finally, Moses, because he smote the rock instead of speaking to it, as God told him to do, was unable to enter the land, but viewed it from the top of Mount Nebo. Deuteronomy 34 and 5 says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. We know more about Moses' life, perhaps, than any other in the Old Testament. We know of his birth, his life in Egypt, his exile in Midian, and, of course, his uh, life leading Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness. In the eyes of Mo uh, Egypt, Israel, Moses is probably the greatest of the great. Then look for a few moments at his life. First of all, we see that Moses was a great man of God, and as such, he was a man of leadership. We thrill when we read the Bible account of Moses facing Pharaoh, the most powerful man of the most powerful nation in the world at that time. Moses has only a wooden staff in his hand, but he boldly declares that God has said, Let my people go. Pharaoh at first is haughty and arrogant. Who is the Lord, he says, that I should obey him? Well, he soon learned, as the plagues progressed and the gods of Egypt were helpless to defend the nation, the mighty Pharaoh was humbled, and God enabled Moses, with his staff of wood, to triumph and lead the people out of bondage to liberty and to the service of God. That's a thrilling story. Moses found God's strength and wisdom, which enabled him to be the leader that he was. Friends, our homes need leadership today. Our nation needs leadership. Our churches need leadership. And we need men of God who will be role models that they can follow. Dad, your life can be a major factor in leading your family to God. Someone has penned the touching words of this poem. Dear Lord, my little boy of three has said his nightly prayers to thee. Before his eyes were closed in sleep, he asked that thou his soul would keep. And I, still kneeling at his bed, my hand upon his tousled head, do ask with deep humility that thou, dear Lord, remember me. Make me, kind Lord, a worthy dad, that I may lead this little lad in pathways ever fair and bright, that I may keep his steps aright. O oh God, his trust must never be destroyed or ever marred by me. So for the simple things he prayed with childish voice, so unafraid, I, trembling, ask the same from thee. Dear Lord, kind Lord, remember me. Men, if we are ever to be the, Lord, the leaders our homes and our churches need, we will have to come to God as Moses did find the forgiveness for our sins, and then through reading the God's word and trusting God, we will find the strength and the courage to follow the Lord and encourage others to do so as well. Then, as a great man of God, Moses developed a great relationship with God. One of the most powerful and inspiring things for Moses' life is his intimate relationship to God. 
God spoke to him in a special way. God revealed himself to Moses in ways not said of any other man. When Moses came down from the mountaintop with God's law, his face shone with the glory of God, and the people could not look upon him until he put a veil over his face. God himself paid tribute, saying of Moses in Numbers 12 or 6, If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision, and will speak to him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. With him I will speak mouth to mouth. And Deuteronomy 34 and 10 says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. What a change took place in Moses. At the burning bush, as a man of 80 years of age, he had accepted the fact that he would be nothing. The dream of delivering Israel had long since died. But that is a good place to start. For now he knows his own weakness. And gradually he learns to trust in God's greatness and became in truth a great man of God. Men, we need to follow Moses' example. Second Peter 3 and 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We grow in knowledge by opening God's word, the Bible. We grow in grace by obeying what we read. If we will humbly seek God, he will strengthen and bless us and make us a blessing. Then Moses, as a great man of God, was a man who learned the power of intercession. As Moses and Israel journeyed toward the promised land, they came face to face with an enemy. Exodus 17 and 8 says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. How did a nation of slaves survive enemies much greater than themselves? Well, Moses, it says, went up into a mountain with the rod of God and lifted it up, symbolic of complete trust in God's power, and Amalek was defeated. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2 and 8, I will let men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Men, we need to learn to pray and to seek God for our families and churches and for our nation and for our world. We need to pray for missionaries and for the lost. Jesus said, Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. We need intercessors today who, like Moses, will raise their hands to heaven and cry out for his blessing. Someone has said, When we work, we get what man can do. But when we pray we get what God can do. Friends, we need what God can do in our dark world. Let us say with the disciples of the Lord Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Then, uh, Moses was a great man of God because he learned to accept disappointments. The people of Israel complained, as you'll recall, because there was no water to drink. And God said to Moses, speak to the rock, and water will come forth. Moses became tired of their continual rebelling, and he smote the rock in anger, Numbers 20 and verse 11 says. And God said to Moses, because he had done this in disobedience, he could not enter the land. We now know that the rock was a symbol of Christ, who was smitten once for our sins, but who will never be smitten again. Moses was bitterly disappointed and only seized the land from the top of Mount Pisgah, and there he died and was buried by the Lord. 
Moses accepted the disappointment, and he blesses Israel and commissions Joshua to be their new leader. He accepts God's way in faith as best. How different from H.G. Wells, the English novelist, who as a young man, it is said, partied all night before an important college exam. However, in the morning, he prayed that he would pass it, but he failed. And then he said, I will never pray again. And if he didn't, then he would be lost forever. For scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to accept life disappointments by faith, believing with the apostle Paul that all things can work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Many a life has been blasted and ruined because of some great disappointment that brought bitterness instead of submission to God. It's interesting to note that when Jesus went up into the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17 says, And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Luke 9 says, they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Here we see Moses in the land of promise, speaking to Christ about his death that would pay not only Moses' sins, but the price of sin for all mankind. God didn't deny Moses' entry into the promised land, but he only delayed it. Moses' final words to Israel were in the nature of a song. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 3, it says, Ascribe ye greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. A God of truth, just and right, is he. Friends, how much better it is to submit to God's perfect will and be blessed here and in eternity rather than to resist his will and be denied God's blessings in both. I urge you today to open your heart, receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and like Moses, live for God's glory. I trust the message that you just heard will be a great blessing to you throughout this next week. It's Canada's National Bible Hour's heart that those who listen to us could grow in their faith, that some of the scriptures that are shared meaningful to you as you meditate upon what was just spoken to you. And we pray for those who may not know Jesus Christ personally. And so we share the gospel here at the end because we think it's really important. The Bible says it's by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. The gospel is simply this that you are a sinner. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We understand that the wages or the payment for our sin is death, that's spiritual death, that's separation from God, that's eternity in a place called hell. But the gift of God, the thing that Jesus Christ did, the thing that God the Father did for us, is he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him, have your faith in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we're asking you, if you've never received Jesus Christ personally in your life, to ask him to come in. And if you're sincere and if you're repenting of your sins, you're confessing your sins to God, you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the verse that brought me to Jesus Christ. And I've served him now for some 65 years. Remember to write in to get your copy of Lifestyles on Earth When Jesus Returns. This is by Dr. Fred Hartman, and I highly recommend this uh, to encourage you that the Lord is coming soon. 
please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also get past broadcasts on our mission website. That's www.missiongo. I trust that you'll continue to listen to our internet radio. You can get us at MGO Radio. You can listen to us 24-7. We have good messages on there. We have good Christian music on there. And it will be a real blessing to your heart and to your soul as you listen to that each day. I trust that the Lord will continue to bless you and watch over you this next week. Please pray for us. And we ask that you would continue to ask the Lord to help us to continue this broadcast on the air. May the Lord bless you and keep you in a mighty way.